Okay. So this is uh, the fellowship is going down the river. They see the Argonath. Aragorn gets to give him a high five, give the Argonath high fives. Identity moment. He's coming into his kingdom. He knows he's a king. Do you know? I mean, you know. But do you know your identity? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Those are actually his relatives, you know, it's just pretty cool. pull off over here and Frodo ends up kind of needing some time to think, right? So he gets his little time, they get some big debate here, the orcs are coming, they realize Frodo's gone. I want to get us here. None of us should wander alone. You least of all. So much depends on you. Awkward moment. <laughs> so I want to lean into this a little bit. Um, I like what Tolkien does here, just for practical metaphor's sake. But also in your stories, you'll see some of this stuff. If we had to list the monsters that have attacked this group, or Frodo, in the past hour and eight, you know, 80, whatever, two hours of movie, and uh, or in the book, like up to the end of the Fellowship book, what monsters have attacked the group or attacked Frodo? Orcs. Demon. Orcs, that demon Balrog thing. Has the spider attacked yet? Not yet, not yet. That's coming. The big fiery. Yeah, Balrog, the big fiery Balrog that thing. That thing was so cool. Yeah, it's That's a great summon. It's a legit moment. Gollum, okay. the ring wraiths, right? Those black rider thingies. Lovely. Yeah, you could in the book you could say goblin slash a troll in the movie. Uh, but what I, what I want you to catch here is all those things are external attacks. They're enemies that are external. What's this now? Frodo gets attacked from where? Within, Within the group. Right? This is the Judas moment. Where it's one thing is when it's the Pharisees and the Sadducees or the Romans or the, you know, Satan or the demons are bothering Jesus. Judas? Wait, what? Yeah? And uh, this is... I think it's when we have to acknowledge the fact that it's the youth pastor that's now turned on us. It's the pastor. It's my mom or my dad. It's really sad when it's like your own family. But does this stuff happen? Unfortunately, it does. He's not the enemy, but right now he's behaving like the enemy. Fair enough. And uh, I like this moment in the text, actually, when this used to be an English class, we would just split open the book and look at the paragraphs in there. And it's pretty amazing. It's like, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag, red flag. I'll give you like six or seven as we go. But it's hard to tell when the attack is coming from within. And so if this was a professor, all of a sudden you're like, wait a second. <laughs> or a friend. It's your kindergarten friend. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, you want, you want to do what? Uh, wait, what? Yeah. And I think that's... That's where I think there's a real value in just picking apart just the conversation even. But right now, what's our first red flag? 
right here. How do we know something's off? Huh? He's alone with. Should he be having this conversation alone with Frodo? No, Frodo knows that. Like, we're not with the group. If this, you should be talking to Aragorn about this. Like, oh wait, you already did. Like, right? So when you find yourself alone with someone who's kind of cornering you, first off, that's awkward. But second, like, red flag here. If we're not having the normal conversation with the group of people, that's the fellowship. Careful, right? Careful. Frodo? I know why you seek solitude. You suffer. I see it day by day. You sure you do not suffer needlessly? Uh. There are other ways, Frodo. Are there? Other not really. I know what you would say. And it would seem like wisdom for the warning. Warning that red flag. Warning. Holy Spirit. Against what? We're all afraid, Frodo. Red flag. Just, you think you have. Versus acting differently. They will find you. They will take the ring. And you will beg for death before the end. Threatening? Oh, what do you just call him? That's verbal abuse. Done. Time out. Period. Red flag. It's always a red flag when someone's going to verbally be abusive. He calls him a fool. Right. I remember the moment when I sat there in Oxford and my Oxford professor stood up in a chair, looks down at me and says, you believe in this grace stuff? You're a fool. Actually, I didn't have this type of stuff in mind back then. So I was like, oh, maybe I am a fool. Oh, no. You know, like I went in this huge suicide of thought spiral. I'm okay. But it was really interesting to like, had I understood more of like, this, that's abusive. Like, wait a second. <laughs> right? He goes from verbal abuse to like physically abusing him, like manhandling him here. It is not your shame, my unhappy child. Could it be mine? It should be mine. Give it to me. That's not cool. <laughs> right? Like, no. I see your mind. You will take the Richard Sauron! That's not Frodo's mind, actually. Whose mind are we seeing? You go to your death. And the death of us all! Cast you! Cast you! And all our place! Frodo? Oops. Right. Did he screw up? Yes, the yeah. last time. <laughs> well, and actually, I think that's what's so interesting here is he screws up. He falls into temptation. This is, you're in a Bible class. What does the Bible say about temptation and sin? It can lead to death, right? That sounds awkward on some level, but actually, are there some sins that, like, you could end up dead? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, th I think it's interesting that Tolkien just gives us that literal visual. He falls into temptation. He is a misunderstanding. 
this is sinful, like trying to pressure this person in this way, and he does end up dead in about 20 minutes. That may not, what was that? You'll see. Yeah. But you'll, you'll, it may not be physical death for you. It could be relational, purity, integrity, familial, like whatever. I, I mean, but sin does bring death. We get to see that here. I don't really like that metaphor, but I think it's an important one. I think the other one here is always, he screws up too. And is that in our metaphors, like the stories that you guys are studying? Do people screw up? Yes. Yeah, with big consequences. It's part of the journey, it happens. Right. One thing that I find interesting, I don't. I always hesitate teaching this lesson, but it's an interesting one to process in a philosophy class. Is it a good idea to let Boromir have the ring? No way. That's a bad decision, right? Is it a good idea to put the ring on and use it? No, no that's a bad decision. So what is Fro- what are Frodo's options? <laughs> bad choice or bad choice? What does he got to do? Bad choice. For all of you who are working on maintaining purity and righteousness, bless you, <laughs> what will very likely happen on your journey? You're going to have to make what? Tough Some tough, hard decisions. And they might even be bad decisions. But that's part of the journey. And honestly, I think why we're saved by grace. Right? Is because God knows we live in a broken world. And so we need wisdom on when to make bad decisions. Because they're better than the other bad decisions that you have to make. Fair enough? I don't like that. It is part of our world, though. Some of you have actually already bumped into that type of thing. Where bad choice or bad choice. Got to do it. Yeah? I, last, last class we had this big discussion. I'm not licensing sin. I'm just going to say, don't say, well, lying is a good choice in this decision. No, lying is bad. But you may lie in order to save the spies who are spying on the country because you're Rahab or whatever, you know, like, right? That's, she may do it. Lying's bad. Don't say lying's good in that situation. Lying's bad, but it was either let the spies get caught or lie. Well, lie, right? Like, yeah. I think that's an interesting thing that Tolkien puts it here. Boromir's bad choice put Frodo in a place where he had to make a bad choice in order to save the quest and himself. Keep going? Yes. Here's another example of that Shadowlands that Lewis kind of coined and what Tolkien writes about in the Land of Shadow. It's not far away. It's right there. But with that ring on, we're in a whole different reality state. Peter Jackson does the best he can with the graphics there to represent shadow. Sauron wants to make the whole world like that. Aragorn and his team are defending the other perspective of the world. Two different worlds, same place. If they don't destroy the ring, everybody will be living in that reality. And then, here we go. Boromir was tested and he dropped the ball. He failed his test, fell into temptation. Aragorn, we stacked the metaphors. It is taken, Boromir. Where is the ring? (laughs) Stay away! Do you have the ability to control yourself? 
I swore to protect you. Right, self-control. You from yourself. The truth is, you do. The Bible talks about it. Paul writes to Timothy, you have a spirit of love, power, and self-control. But it, it's hard stuff, right? This is like that Galadriel moment. He could take it right there. I would have gone with you to the end. Into the very fires of Mordor. I know. Especially Sam. He will not understand. And can we trust each other? I love that. We have to trust each other. Does anybody want to watch it? Some of the chop up? Oh, yeah. Are you okay? No. You don't have to. It's a Bible class. But also, since it's a Bible class, I can't just let us watch the chop up. Plus, it's Mr. D, so I'm going to do a metaphor and even just pull out my own sword. So, here we go. Can I have Gandalf's now? Sure. Are you going to be careful with this thing? Yes, I'm not watching. This isn't very precious. We are going to watch it. I'm going to do a metaphor. How did you get that? All right, just don't be distracting. A, a student got it for me from Colorado. That's actually so cool. Yeah, it's fun. So. Okay, so I see Aragorn holding that sword, right? I've got this sword right here, yeah? And when I watch this, uh, it reminds me of the metaphor last week with Bilbo. If Bilbo didn't have his sword, he'd be what? He'd be dead. And I picked up a Bible, and I remember saying, you know what? Sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. We need this. Don't go off to college without it. That metaphor was, do you even have your Bible, right? At least have scripture and the truth. Yes? What's this? He's got a sword. He's going to die if he doesn't know what. How to use it and how to use it well. And that's this metaphor. And uh, it's interesting. Um, all these orcs are going to come running at him. And if this is truth, what particularly does truth fight off? Lies. So the obvious metaphor, the orcs represent all these lies that bombard us every day. I think it also could be depression and anxiety and fear. And we are going to use truth to do what? Fight that off. It's one thing to have your Bible. It's one thing to have the truth. It's another to be able to wield the truth like a weapon to navigate college or your first job or just this world. Fair enough? So we got the metaphor. Here's what was really interesting to me. I graduated from Wheaton Academy right out there on the lawn under that elm tree in 1991. I went to this school. I had a Bible. I went home after graduation, and my dad handed me this sword as a graduation present. It was really cool. I was like, what? Thanks, Dad. That's awesome. <laughs> nice work, Dad. It was a good dad moment. And uh, I don't know the depth of the metaphor that he had, but if you can imagine Mr. D in his backyard that day, what was I doing with my new sword? 
I was like, whoa, yeah, the orcs are piling over the fence, and I'm fighting off and saving my family, and actually, this is a replica sword, so it's weighted like a long sword. Uh, how long do you think it lasts? I'm going to pass it around the room and let you feel it, but how long do you think my little imagination battle lasted? 20 minutes. You are super generous. Wait do you feel this thing. <laughs> I was in good shape, but yeah, two is even a little generous, but maybe that long. Probably 30 to 60, maybe 90 seconds. This thing is heavy, and I had this amazing moment of, I've got a sword, to, I don't, I don't know how to use this thing. I can't wield it. I'm not strong enough. I don't know what I'm doing. I actually had this really weird, awkward moment of, if orcs actually came over the fence to kill my family and me, I, we would all die. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. I, I have a really cool sword, and I don't know how to use it. And that's, I offer you that as a lesson. Like If you have not learned how to wield scripture, literally wield scripture like a weapon, in battle, it's okay. You kind of missed it. Like that's a little bit of what Wheaton Academy was all about. But I want to encourage you to to figure that out in college. And that's actually what I ended up doing. Is I graduated Wheaton Academy. I had my sword. I took it to college. But I realized that day, it's the lesson I'm giving you right there. I'm standing in my backyard, like I don't know how to use scripture. I don't know. I have it. I memorized it. I've done classes on it. I just don't really know how to use it. Maybe you do. Woo, sweet, sweet. <laughs> That's awesome. But if you don't, this is kind of a metaphor for you today. Because I'm going to hand this around. Now, if you want to swing my sword around, you can go, we'll get you so you can take it outside and do that a little later. <laughs> don't swing it around in class. I'm actually literally handing a weapon to students in high school. I, <laughs> don't get me fired. Fair enough. When you pass it to people, use two hands. It's pretty heavy. It's not sharp, so you can grab it here or grab it down here. But I want you to feel it. If you want to grab one of these Bibles, I want you to be like, what would it take? Like, what would it take to learn how to wield this thing? If you actually had to defend your life with this today, what would most of you and what would we be doing with it each day? Practicing. That's where I finally realized what devotions are. It's like going to the gym every day. Like I'm practicing. I'm getting strong enough. Well, the gym is for my body. What about being able to use this every day? Finally click. It took me that long. Maybe you guys got it a little earlier than me, but yeah, there you go. <laughs> All right, so I'm gonna play this. I don't normally just show the chop up stuff. I show it now because I, I want the image to stick. I want to be able to wield the Bible like Aragorn does with all these orcs. Like that's just cool, right? And so I want to challenge you with that. How do you get to use your Bible to be that good like Aragorn? Because he's, he's good. Or like Ray with a lightsaber, right? That looks good, all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, how can you use scripture? Tweet, tweet, text, 
text, Instagram. Like, can you use scripture to encourage people? Like a bow and arrow. Now they sacrifice for their friend here, it's pretty cool. Bring it, and what's he gonna do? He's gonna do yeah, and I think what's really interesting is he's not gonna just say he's sorry. He's gonna what? Well, he's gonna show that he's sorry. And I, I have to pick on evangelicalism a little bit here. We're really, we've been trained to say we're sorry. I was trained to say it, and that's good. I don't know if I was really trained to show it. But I love this. This guy could be off crying in the woods. I made a mistake. I tried to ruin the fellowship. Like he could be out there whining and crying about his big mistake, and it was a big mistake. Instead, he picks up his sword and runs back into the battle. I love that, right? Um, it's a profound moment for him where he does not have to do this, and he's willing to fight for Mary and Pippin, which is really cool, right? So we can watch a little bit of that. I'm going to fast forward it just a little bit. And it's powerful, yeah. Awesome Legolas shooting. And then he blows the horn to ask for help. Right, I got my shofar in the room here. And then they're fighting, and then we get to this, and like, who is that guy? Right? But this is, this is, uh... And unfortunately, Bormir, he gets taken off the quest. It's brutal to just sit and watch. He's one of the best fighters in Middle-earth, but he can't fight as fast. He's distracted by his mistake. He's overwhelmed by the enemy. He's the best fighter in Middle-earth. He should be fine, and he's not. You only get to die once. Might as well die fighting the enemy, right? But this huge orc takes him off the quest. This, to me, is why I try to steer clear from sin. It's not gonna send me to hell. It just, have you seen it? What it does to people? It, it takes them off the journey. 
Boromir would love to have been at that big last battle with Aragorn, riding out into that huge battle to save the big white castle. And he's not there. He missed it. He didn't go to hell or get condemned. He just misses doing what he was made to do, what he loves to do. That's what I don't want. Now, and you can get taken off your quest for lots of reasons. I mean, Jesus died in battles. So I, I get it, and all the apostles died. So I get that there's martyring and dying in it. But I don't want to go out because I got distracted by sin and temptation. That makes sense. It's just a, such a better way. I also don't want to miss out on my life because of it, what Christ has for me. And that's, bless you. And that's, that's a hard metaphor, but I think it's worth seeing. Is this temptation and the sin brings death, right? Now, I got just enough time to do this last metaphor, and I want to do my best here to set it up. Um, I, I know I'm just kind of dropping the metaphors as we go. This is one of my favorites for the class, actually, because there's a funky spin on it. Bormir often gets a bad rap. He, he messed up. He, he's, he ten, he was, he's the Judas or whatever. Like he, he screwed up, and he did. However, him coming into this moment is a powerful redemptive moment. Watch what happens with your repentance, what your showing of how you are sorry can do in the hands of a really good author like Tolkien, let alone God. Tolkien has Aragorn, sorry, Boromir come running back in to fight for the hobbits. Now, if I am Boromir, I'm one of the best fighters in Middle-earth. I know that these orcs are coming to get two hobbits. They were told, two hobbits left the Shire, go get two hobbits, right? They're carrying something special. Now, the other two hobbits joined them later, so that Saruman doesn't know that there's four, there's two. Boromir, he's got his sword, he's fighting. Wouldn't it make sense, I hope you guys, if, you, if I use you guys, I hope you don't mind, but wouldn't it make sense for Boromir to say, sorry Mary and Pippin, I love you guys, you're amazing, but I need to go protect who? Who? Proto. Like, doesn't that just make rational, practical sense? Because they are already willing to sacrifice for Frodo. And Boromir's like, I, I, I know the orcs are coming, but I gotta go get Frodo. If Boromir had chosen to do that, what do you think the orcs would do? He's the best fighter in Middle Earth. They might grab these guys, but it's very likely that they would run and follow Boromir. Like, where is he going? Are there more important hobbits out there? Watch what Boromir does. Boromir chooses to stop and fight for Merry and Pippin. Now, no offense to those guys, but what have they done so far on the journey? Absolutely nothing but eat <laughs> and take a fig. And, and they threw, like, the rock down the hole and hit the Balrog in the eye and woke it up, like... He's the best fighter in Middle Earth is willing to stop and die for Merry and Pippin. I love it. It's beautiful, but come on, really? And actually, because Boromir's like, hey, orcs, I'm going to fight you off for Merry and Pippin. He bestows this crazy value on Merry and Pippin, so much so that the orcs do what? Grab you two and run the opposite direction of Frodo. Literally, Boromir saves the quest. 
because he chose to say he was sorry. Really, he chose to show he was sorry. But even bigger than that, he chose to bestow value on these two hobbits. And because he saw them as valuable, the orcs saw them as valuable, the orcs grabbed them and run the opposite direction, and that free Boromir actually saves Frodo. And the quest because of this. That's pretty cool. You, know, you and I have no idea what our apology, what our repentance, what God can do with that in the, in the, in the hands of the author, what he can write into your story with that. It's pretty amazing. The other metaphor there is how could you bestow value on Mary and Pippins in our world, right? And one way to consider that is let's pull that right off the screen into our classroom. I want to challenge you here with this one, and it is kind of pushing the metaphor. Um, but how could you bestow value on that punk freshman today? Who, you know, you're a senior, and how could you stop, pause, and bestow value on them? Help them in their battle, or even fight for them, all right? Let me take it even another step further. There are basically a shooting every day in our country, in a school. Unfortunately, we are at that place. Um, one could come right here into the room today during class. I hope that never happens. But unfortunately, could it? Yeah. Yeah, I've tried to we prepare with drills and stuff. I've talked with my wife about that potentially happening. And I want to be prepared. I don't have to make a decision in the moment. That's a hard decision to make. So I've talked with her about the fact that I know I have four kids. I know I have a career in front of me. I know I'm married to her. But we talked about the fact that I would like to think that I would choose to die for you guys, at least try. Does that make sense? I'll grab a brick or my sword or the staff and like shooter comes in the room and Mr. D is here. And I don't want to make you imagine this, but I want you guys to consider the shooter comes in the room right here. And I today wrestle this person down and die, but get him. How would that would that impact your journey? You get to go to college. I die, but you get to keep going to college. You don't die. Would that have any effect? Okay, remember, metaphor, I'm looking at the clock. The metaphor's not over there, but can you see how this has an effect on Mary and Pippin? If you look at it in the story, the rest of the story, they grow into warriors. They honor that death that Boromir gave them. Boromir gave his life for them. They're like, we're going to live more. They end up so much becoming warriors that they come back at the end of the books and scour out the Shire and save the Shire. They're transformed because they watch someone die for them, and they realize... I have value. So if Mr. D died for you today, that would be horrible, but would that be meaningful? Yeah? Um, thanks. I appreciate the thought. Yeah? Uh, so I know it's like cool to relate to the movie, but a lot of the time that's not really how it works. A lot of people suffer from like survivor's guilt and stuff like I that. I know. And then take their own lives. So. It's brutal, isn't it? I that's, know. That's, a, that's a possibility, and that can happen. But let me even throw this out there and take it a step further. If I chose to die for you today, and I know there's the potential for survival skill and all that stuff, would it still be meaningful that a teacher died for you so you can keep going to college? Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, you don't, it's complex. I don't even like the metaphor, but let me get to the next metaphor, because here's the key. I'm honored and flattered that it would be meaningful to you. We're in a Bible class right now, and if we really want to take the metaphor to where I want to take it, to how many of us have really paused to consider that if it's meaningful that Mr. D would die for you, pretty overwhelming, 
which, thanks, I'm honored. That's not the point of today's lesson, actually. God did what for you so you could go on your journey? He died for you. We say it all the time. You guys, <laughs> I can't even say it without like, laughing because it's so insane. God, God died for you. It was meaningful when I died for you. Thanks. I am not God. <laughs> like, right? Do we really even get this? I don't know. Can we actually? I don't think we can. I don't think we can. But if we were to pause and see, take it even to that level, why some people feel so guilty about God dying for them, which is not the point. But if we really want to catch today's lesson, maybe Pippin are motivated by a sacrifice. They're motivated, maybe survival skills, about Gandalf, right? Like all that stuff. At the same time, it lets them keep going on their journey. You'd be moved if Mr. D died for you. I'm, I'm honored by that. I don't want it to stop there. It almost has an ego trip to it. I don't want that. What I'm trying to say is, God actually did die for me and for you so that we can go on our journey. God, how valuable are you? <laughs> you can't even put a price, you can't, put, you can't compare it to money. God died so that you can be on your journey. It's crazy. Can you see why those verses now make sense to some people who really sit and contemplate that? Why they are willing to literally give their lives for the sake of the gospel. Because they realized that God gave his life so that we could keep going. My son said it best, actually. He was eight, and he said, Jesus died on a cross, so I don't have to die on a cross. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> like, and part of it is, I don't like the, some of these metaphors because they're so visceral, but at the same time, why mess around with fake stuff, right? And you're right, it is super complex. But when we jump to that level, you can almost see why some people reject God dying for them. I don't want Jesus to die for me, I just want to take it on myself, or that's not fair, I feel guilty, or I feel overwhelmed. We, all those are natural responses on some level. On another level, thanks! <laughs> thanks, God! for dying for me so that I can be free to keep going today and tomorrow and to college and to live a life. Thoughts, questions, comments? Yeah. The strange thing is that in our culture, we are having so many more of these types of deaths that we're really starting to process it as a culture, right? where normally it's like after World War II or something like that, or after a big war, we have all this cultural consciousness of sacrifice that we have to navigate. It's so easy to forget how powerful it is for someone to give their life. Greater love has no one than this than to give their life for a friend. I hope I never have to do it. I hope we never have to navigate that on one hand. On the other hand, don't miss the fact that someone actually has done it. They have died for you. Thoughts, questions, comments? Yeah, not much to say. I, I think what I'm left with, and I'll show a few more things here. What I'm left with is I want to contemplate that. Because the more I contemplate the fact that God died for me, to bestow that kind of value on me, 
the freer I am to just enjoy motivated being by like being motivated by gratitude. I mean, Mr. Bolt was talking about that gratitude today. Thanks. <laughs> I I do want to give my life. I think it's interesting though too. Here is these two hobbits. They they understand that someone died for them, and they really do. They're different. If you look in the books, it's interesting to analyze it. The chubby little hobbits flopping around in the stories up to this point and then now from here on it is different for them their mindset is different someone died for me keep going all right air uh i'm just gonna since our time is so tight aragorn comes flying in and takes this dude on which is awesome where is frodo we have this hard moment And you did what I could not. He could be like, why did you do it? Why did Why did you try to take the ring? You screwed everything up. Could he do all that right now? No condemnation. I did not see. No shame. They offend you all. No guilt. You fought bravely. He bestows honor and dignity. No shame. It is over. The world of men will fall, and all will come to darkness. And my such to ruin. <laughs> I do not know what strength is in my blood, but I swear to you, I will not let the White City fall. Our people fail. Our people. Our people. He includes him, shows acceptance, puts his sword back in his hand. It's all there. Think about those times when someone's really messed up and you have the opportunity to restore dignity, to restore hope, to show grace. Tense day of class. <laughs> Lots of different metaphors. I'm, I'm always, when this class ends, I'm always like, okay, I, don't know, I have no idea how to wrap that up even, right? There's so much to ponder. Um, so I'm just going to kind of let, let it be. Whatever you take from today, just consider um, the power of sacrifice. But I think also in this, the final word is, how can we bestow value on other people? Where can we choose to sacrifice ourselves, our time, our resources, and, and bestow that value? Um, just like God has done that, he has showed us how valuable we are. 
by pouring himself out for us. So, thanks for watching today. Blessings to you. Glad you came. (laughs) And uh, I'll see you on Thursday. We're done for today. All right. See you guys. Peace.